So, oh, he's recording. He's recording now. Holy moly, it's been a long time since I talked to you guys. Well, no, that's not true. I've talked to you guys a couple of different times. Uh, that's fine. But it's been a long time since we recorded an episode. What's your name again? Yeah, I know exactly. Um, so, yeah, and, and I've heard from listeners, and I and, and on behalf of the us, I apologized to them then, and I apologize to them now. It's We're fine. First of all, no one should worry. We're fine. It's not like we got COVID or anything like that. Not to not to make light of that. All right, we're 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 all healthy and everything's hunky dory in that regard. It's just been a weird two months in terms of scheduling and technical problems and 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 just craziness. I mean, it's like we've when you guys back me up on this. All right, there have been at least two and maybe three times since the last successful recording when we've gotten together somehow some way to record and had it fall apart you know or it's been scheduled to happen the next day and has suddenly had to be canceled or it you know uh and i'm and i'm sure our listeners would have differing opinions on what constitutes a successful recording (laughs) yeah i mean yeah okay true this is true this is true so anyways uh hopefully we're back uh and uh and 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 as we were as i was saying just before i pressed record here um uh, i'm hoping that you'll hear at least two episodes in january um and maybe now see now now you've gone on record man just yeah but this is a bad bad idea I'm trying. Yeah, probably is a bad idea. Anyways, what's going on? Uh, we got a bunch of email. So it's been like you know two years since we recorded, and as a result, we've got a backup of uh, of uh, listener emails here, and some and and all very interesting. Um, in let me see what we've got here. So uh, we heard from listener uh, uh, David Y or Dave Y. Um, um, it's just an interesting. If you're a music fan, um, and if you're an aviation fam, fan, uh, maybe you should uh, go to the show notes and find these links, or find this this email, and then find the links in the email. For uh, so uh, he tells us about uh, a, a podcast called. I, let me see if I've got this right. It's been so long since this email came in. Um, I believe it's a podcast called Scratchy Grooves. All right, um, and or or a blog or something like that. But it's it's yeah. an online presence called Scratchy Grooves, and this person um, finds and showcases old antique recordings of music. All right, so it's like you know it's some some. And if you're if you're a music person, this can be very very interesting. All right, and this particular episode or or, or issue or whatever um, highlights some old music about flying all right um, dave y says uh, uh i've been listening to ucap since before its mother gave it a name okay uh and my logbook contains a few hours of advanced ultra ultralight uh, upon straight floats ultralights on floats david we'll talk about that later on um he says uh scratchy grooves is a radio show hosted by bill chambers um oh it's it does it's not even current but anyways it explores music and sounds of yesteryear 1900 to 1940 uh, scratches and all and uh, he's highlighted or pointed us to a handful of aviation things uh that's cool i i listened to a couple of these not all the way through i didn't you know so the, these are long like hour-long episodes that have multiple music tracks in them as i recall and i didn't listen to sorry ones what do you think did you guys listen to any of these i, I haven't i haven't yet i, I will i will check it out yeah it's it's you know it's it's interesting because it, in in some ways it's 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 a it's a uh, an example of how people thought of flying way back when you know which was a kind of a different they had a different uh, relationship to flying back then than they do now uh, yeah once upon a time passengers got to sit out in the open air like the pilot yeah yeah right yeah so uh so uh thank you to dave y for uh for sending us this pointer some cool stuff here and hope everything is good up there in atlantic canada eh Oh, is that where? Oh, that's right. He's from. Oh, that's right. So, I, yeah, he's from. Um, I think he told me this, but he's from Halifax, apparently. Um, so he mentioned the fact that he's from Atlantic Canada. And in a response that I didn't put in here, um, I, I pointed out to him that that my my family, my father's side of the family is from Atlantic Canada, uh, from uh, New Brunswick. And I asked whether they were nearby. And so he mentioned he was he's Halifax, which is a cool town, by the way, if you've ever been to Halifax. You, you If you've never been to Halifax, Halifax, you should. It's a nice place. I've been to St. John's, but I've not been to Halifax. Now, if you've been to the one that's... In, so St. John's is an interesting Canadian town uh-huh. because there's an apostrophe St. John's and a no apostrophe St. John's. Uh-huh. Yeah, and, and I can never remember which is which. The one, on, the one on Newfoundland. One of them's kind of in the Halifax area, and yeah. one of them's way the heck up there, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I've been, yeah, you've been to the one that's way the heck up there, right? Mm, it wasn't all that up there. 
Oh, it's like it, it, because because like about a forty-five minute car drive from the one that's way up there is the easternmost point in the in North America. I mean, like you can drive out there and stand on the point, and you, and this is the easternmost point of land in all of North America. It's it's way up there. Um, it's so close to Europe, the Vikings even found it. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, or up there someplace. So, uh, um, so, but so there's so there. And I can, but I confess, and our, I'll hear from our Canadian friends. Um, the, okay, that's I, that's not where I'm looking at the maps. That's not where I was. Um, so you were the one that was closer down to Halifax, uh, Saint John, New Brunswick. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's it's not right. apostrophe. Maybe it's yes and no just across just yeah. across the yeah. the main so, borders. Yeah. 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 Hello to our friends in Canada, and uh, I look forward to the day when I can return to visit Canada. I like Canada a lot. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking forward to hearing the music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another email we got was from listener Robert W., um, who invites us to support a couple of airports that are in danger. Um, he writes, uh, there are two, and this is from early November, and I don't know whether this is all kind of played out by now. Comment, the comment period is closed, according to the Has website. it? Okay. Link, yeah. so, but let me just kind of call people's attention to it in the event that maybe there's still something that can be done. Um, um, uh, he writes, uh, there are two airports in Death Valley National park and the park is planning on closing one of them the plan is open for public comment uh for you to pass along and then he invites us to a pass along to our listeners and i apologize that we didn't weren't able to do this earlier but as i explained earlier life um so uh, there's links here in this uh, in this email that you can find by way of the show notes there's also a uh, reddit thread um apparently discussing the whole thing and uh you know I, I apologize for not being able to do something about this earlier, but because I think we should all act on these kinds of things to save these smaller airports. Yeah, uh, you should have sent us an alert. I know, I know. It, it's too, yeah, okay. David, this will Jeff, come. Gonna... This will come up at the next board meeting. Yeah, I know exactly. Yeah. Um, finally, in terms of emails, uh, and and uh, and this one's going to be a little bit. Long. This is really interesting. Uh, this is really interesting. So this is from our friend Timmy um, in uh, in what I consider to be Central Florida. Um, and uh, what would you call? Jeb, you're the Florida guy. Um, t- about about thirty. C- Central Florida, yeah, yeah. Yeah, about you know about about it just just to the west, about thirty miles west of Orlando. That would be Central Florida. Um, is where Timmy e is based. Um, he's a, a, a hang glider guy, I believe an ultralight guy, um, and a fellow 150 fan, and um, and into all kinds of interesting things. Yeah. Um, he's the beekeeper guy I talked about recently. And uh, uh, in the email, that's kind of a long email. I'm not going to try and read the entire email here. I'm going to see if I can uh, if I can summarize it. Because um, and you should read it because there's a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, but uh, he writes, "Hi Jack and Dave and Jeb." Uh, and, and he thanks us for uh, commenting about the beekeeping thing. Um, he says, uh, he says among my other interests uh, was falconry, or falconry, uh, back when he lived in Virginia, he writes. So I can enlighten all of you a bit about that video of the black vulture, not a condor, um, with the paragliders. Now, you remember on a recent episode, perhaps the last episode, I don't know which one, but uh, we commented on a video that we saw of a paraglider two-person paraglider that had attracted a big bird of some sort to land and and fly with them for a bit and it was a cool video Um, he says it was a black vulture not a condor Uh, he said uh, I did know of one other Virginia falconer 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 um, who was working with a black vulture which has a wingspan of five feet he writes compared to the six foot wingspan of a turkey vulture or the four and a half foot wingspan of a red-tailed hawk he continues I think it was more of a rehab project though uh, than anything else vultures find food by smell he writes not sight like a hawk Uh, what they're doing when they thermal is hoping to stumble upon the smell of something rotting down there on the ground Um, which is interesting I didn't know that I I always ascribe to the to the uh, apparently wives tale that birds have great eyesight Um, but at least in the case of these vultures they smell for for dead food Skipping a little bit here, he says, uh, he says, um, but he says it's much easier to work with wild red tail hawks who, even though eventually tame, still hold you with a bit more cautious respect uh, than it would its own parents. So he's done a lot of work with red tail hawks. And again, I urge you to read his, the detail here. He says, with the wild red tail tails, I trap 
that I would trap. Uh, the training is to get them to realize that one, you are no threat, and two, you happen to have a lot of food in your pocket all the time. Then three, when you either blow a whistle or raise your hand or extend your arm, that you're going to let them have some of what's in your pocket. Um, I'm skipping a little bit here. He says, I can imagine then that the vulture in the video was trained in something of the same way and so was trained to respond to either or both the whistle or the outstretched selfie boom. He says, what food is was used of, is of interest to the vulture. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm reading this badly. What food was used to interest the vulture is beyond me, Tim writes, um, perhaps aged roadkill. Um, uh, he says they don't want it unless it's rotten because they don't have a pointed enough beak, jaw strength, or neck muscles to rip a freshly killed animal apart the way other raptors can. Um, skipping ahead here. Um, in a hang glider, uh, I have maneuvered in to hover maybe only 20 feet above a wild red-tailed hawk while ridge soaring off of a Maryland mountain near Camp David. And then he writes, Dave, I've forgotten the site's name, but I'm sure you'll know it. Dave, do you know the name of the site he's referring to? Oh, yeah. We well, called it High Rock, uh-huh. but uh, the formal name was Heiner View State Park. No, I'm sorry. No, that's... High Rock's what we called it. Yeah. Uh, and it's just on the back side of the mountain that uh, backdrops uh, Camp David. Yeah. And it's uh, no longer a legal flying spot. Yeah. Because of Camp David? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Tim goes on to say, but the uh, red-tailed hawk kept eyeing me warily over its shoulder and eventually just peeled off and looked for another section of the ridge to work. Uh, He says, the attached photo is something my mom arranged for my daughter and me. Um, It's a photo, and then he says later on that's from 1992. It's a photo, uh, he writes, of all our menagerie back when I lived in Oakton, Virginia. Oh, yeah, we know Oakton. Yeah, so... uh, uh, he, he, uh, again, there's a little bit more I'm skipping, but he finally closes with hope to see all three of you at Sun and Fun. So do we. <laughs> so do we. <laughs> hope to not only see Tim, hope to see all three of us uh, at Sun and Fun. That's another subject. So uh, a, a lot of interesting stuff here. This is like kind of a long inter- I've already quoted more than I should have, but um, there's just a lot of interesting things here. I urge people to track this down. The link will be in our um, in our show notes. Um, crazy. What? Any thoughts on this? This is This is pretty interesting stuff. I think it's fabulous that there's people with the kind of patience it takes to train one of these birds to land on a flying wing. I can't even train myself, much less a a bird. Yeah. (laughs) But wait a minute. Okay. I don't know. There's a joke there about finding random food. I don't don't know what it is. Well, I'm pretty good at that. I know. I know when I visit you, if if I hold up a chocolate brownie, I can get your attention. Works every time. Works every time. There's a there's a Pavlovian thing involved. Exactly. There. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I, but it's and not. A, my, it doesn't have anything with training. I think it's genetic. Uh, someone trained you some well. Okay, I see what you're saying. Maybe, maybe I'm stretching the joke way beyond its limits. Um, well, cool we used to, used to have a pilot fly the lookout site near uh, what you, where I used to live, yeah. and he flew with his dog. He had, dog a special, fly. He, he had a special harness made up to put the dog into, and it went on his back, and he flew prone, and they'd run off together and, uh, and soar. And one day, the, uh, the winds were really severe, and he decided that he wasn't going to take the dog up, and he left the dog on the ground with a, a young lady, and when he ran off the ramp and into the lift the dog tried to follow uh, got, oh. got busted up pretty badly it was oh, about man. 250 feet to the uh, first impact point but he lived oh good well that's, i'm sorry he got hurt but i'm glad he lived that's, that's... yeah i think that was the end of his flying career yeah certainly and he was just about yeah. to get his wings <laughs> yeah well Fortunately, didn't get his wings that day. Oh, sorry, that's a reaching joke. Definitely not. Yeah. Uh, Jeb, I'm sorry. You were about to say I, I was just going to say, and probably into the relationship with the girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Even at this point, you got to make a choice. What's yeah, well, more you, important you, to you? Come on, really. You know, <laughs> woman, you can't protect my dog. What the hell? <laughs> All right. Um, I confess, I'm, try- I'm racking my memory here, trying to remember whether Tim has ever been on the podcast. Um, and uh, yeah, that's something we should fix. And uh, we he's should probably have... been on daily. From Sebring, yeah, from Sebring or or, or Sun and Fun, yeah, um, yeah. Um, you know, and uh, but 
clearly we need to to to, uh, to res- reconcile this or do some research and, and get a good answer to it. But uh, thank you, Tim. We appreciate it. It's always interesting to hear from you. Uh, David, hi. How you doing? It's been so long. What you been up to? I'm going to ask later on, I'm going to ask everybody to talk about their New Year's and their Christmas. So that's not really so much what I want to hear about right now. I kind of, what, what, are, what have you been up to now that the New Year is rolling? Well, uh, New Year's Day came and I looked at my uh, work list and said, holy crap, I'm already behind. Uh, as I had five projects due in the first two weeks. Uh, we're working through it. Uh, had a birthday on January 2nd. Became an older fart than I already was. Uh, visited family Somehow in Somehow it doesn't seem possible. <laughs> yeah, bite my nose. Uh, uh, had a good visit with uh, kids and grandkids and uh-huh. old friends back in Indiana. Uh, came back on uh, Christmas Eve. Uh, uh the uh, beginning of that trip was a, a little bit colored by the, uh, the funeral for my mother. Uh, yes, but that turned out to Sorry be a, to about that. Yeah, that turned out to be a more upbeat occasion than I expected because mm-hmm. I got to meet a couple of relatives that I'd not met before, and and uh, the uh, eulogies all brief and uh, mostly my granddaughters went pr- pretty well and uh, uh, and now we're just back to the uh, old bun burger bun process that is making a living as a as a freelance writer yeah cool well good um, yeah winter taking hold there in uh, in Wichita well we got seven inches of snow here uh, uh, New Year's Eve uh, into New Year's morning mm-hmm. uh, and uh, uh, when I uh, shut down after I had all the Twilight Zone marathon I could stand uh, <laughs> on New Year's Eve I uh, looked outside and saw just a sprinkling of snowflakes here and there and it was definitely cold enough that I knew anything would stick. Uh, but I was not prepared for the view when I got up at New Year's morning. It's like, holy cow. And uh, went out and measured the snow. It was between six and a half and seven inches deep. Yeah. Uh, the local airport uh, weather station, they officially pegged it at six and a half. Uh and it stayed on the ground until uh, about two days ago. So, uh, lovely weather, lovely yeah. weather. Yeah, I know, huh? I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm on the. Well, we'll talk about this later on. Um, what's next? I, 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 I have, I literally have nothing. I got nothing. I did not prepare. All right, tell me what you want to talk about. Pick something. What's going on? Something. It's been well, I, you know, we, it's been two months. Something we, must we, have happened. In yeah, we, we kind of need to kind of run through at least just for the record some things that have happened. Okay. Uh, over the interview, for example, during the intervening period. Well, for one thing, the seven thirty seven Max is back in the air. Yes, that, uh, it's true. Been, is it's there been, anything? Okay, go ahead. What were you going to say? It's been recertificated uh, by the FAA. Um, I believe uh, some other countries. I'm not sure about IASA. Um, um, but it is in operation. Um, American Airlines recently, and I say recently, last couple of weeks, um, the mind is a terrible thing to waste, um, mm-hmm. f- flew its first revenue flight, regularly scheduled revenue flight with a, with a MAX, and that was uh, uh, welcomed. You know, Boeing's long national nightmare is not over. Uh, they have a whole buttload of problems, but... Uh, um, at least uh, getting the max in the air milestone has been uh, achieved, shall we say? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and that's you know a good thing. Um, um, Chuck Yeager passed. Um, yeah, as, yep. as another as legend being, gone. Yeah, another legend gone. Um, if no one. If, if someone listening is not familiar with Chuck Yeager, uh, he was the first person to fly faster than the speed of sound. Uh, he uh, um, 
in the seventies, uh, eighties, nineties, uh, was something of a uh, uh, an aviation personality. He did TV commercials. He did uh, a lot of other things um, that got both <clears throat> him, of course, but also aviation uh, into the into the general media, into the general public's mind. Yeah. That was, to me, a big difference about Jaeger passing. Over the years, we have remembered a number of different avi- people that we consider aviation legends, and it's usually very much in our in our little family, you know, our community. And and Jaeger really was in the, you know, on the radar, if you will, of of much much larger community of the world. I think largely because of the uh, the movie, um, the book, and the movie, um, but also just because of the fact that he was the sound barrier guy. Well, you you, you got to clarify on the book because uh, the right stuff yeah. by Tom Wolfe, yes, uh, brought his name to the fore for the first time for a lot of people, yes, that weren't aviation nuts. But then Jaeger wrote his own biography, oh, okay. and, and it went on to be a bestseller. I wasn't aware of that one. Okay, yeah. And uh, uh, I remember meeting him at the 1982 EAA convention fly-in at Oshkosh, and he was there being a, uh, a, a special correspondent for the show Good Morning America. And among the things that he did in that capacity was fly a couple of ultralights, which made all the ultralight and hang gliders people stand up and say, oh, this will give us some legitimacy. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I don't think it had any effect at all. But oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. I'm not sure where that the fault lies there, but okay, yeah. Um, he yeah. was an, he was an interesting cat. Yeah, yeah. he was. He was. Uh, he he. A lot of people don't remember this. I think back in these in the eighties. Um, he um, did a promotional deal with uh, Piper. Yeah. Um, on what was essentially the Cheyenne 4 twin turboprop, but became known as the LS400 uh, because Lear Sigler had, had purchased the company or purchased a, a controlling interest in Piper at the time and uh, did some records, you know, some city pair records and, and things like that. The, uh, the the 400 in the LS400 name stood for its speed. I, I pretty sure in miles per hour yeah um but um he did a lot of promotion for that that was you know kind of inside baseball stuff for the industry but uh, it did get noticed and it probably did sell a few airplanes um he uh periodically would be interviewed for one thing or another some milestone or or uh, um you know, other achievement uh, by someone else or some uh, uh, some other pilot or something like that. Um, but in recent years, kind of you know was was aging and and uh, didn't get out as much. Um, but uh, you know, obviously, you know, a trailblazer, uh, a a, uh, a uh, person who uh, I guess all of us really in aviation owe a lot to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyways, yeah, it was remarkable to me that, you know, so many people outside of the aviation world um, remembered him on social media um, at the time of his passing. Um, That was what really struck me uh, was, you know, you know, we all follow a lot of aviation stuff, but. I saw remembrances of Jaeger from people who had nothing to do with aviation. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah. he clearly made an impact on a lot of lives, um, are n- not just in our industry. So rest in peace, uh, yes, Chuck Jaeger. Yes, indeed. Uh, what else? Anything else happened? Well, one, since, uh, one other note. I, I the, you know, the general the general media has has made a lot of this, made a big deal out of this over the last couple of weeks. Um, and this has to do with uh, COVID-19 vaccines. Mm-hmm. One of the elements that was missing from some of this was what impact would receiving the COVID-19 vaccine have on your FAA medical certificate? Yes, good question. And that has been resolved. Um, the FAA has uh, accepted the Food and Drug Administration's uh, emergency use authorization as a sufficient evidence that uh, the uh, the vaccine cannot do harm with one proviso, and, and that is that uh, there's a 48-hour waiting period 
from the time you receive the inoculation before you can legally fly again using your uh, your medical certificate. Um, that's true for both the, the Pfizer and the Mo, um, Moderna, Moderna, whatever, Moderna, I Moderna it is, yeah. uh, vaccine. Um, the, the FAA hastens to add that uh, um, they have similar. Um, restrictions or waiting periods in place for other vaccines like typhoid, typhoid or uh, tuberculosis. So that's not uh, rare or unheard of. Okay. So, yes. So this is all pretty encouraging, pretty uh, um, <laughs> uh, re- remarkably uh, 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 commonsensical from, from the FAA, if you ask me. But um, but here's my question. So they're they're accepting the FDA. FDA um, I forget what, you, what the word was. The approval um, in the case of Pfizer and Moderna. Uh, are, is it just for those two at this time? Will they have to review the FDA approval for the next one that comes along too? Or are they saying? Is the FAA saying that whenever it happens, the FDA approval is good enough for us? I think the latter, actually. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, they made, excuse me, um, my throat is very dry this morning. They made these determinations um, just a day or two after um, the um, the FDA announcements, the FDA emergency use authorizations were announced. Um, but um, I also think that it's going to be on a case-by-case basis. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Yeah, so... Be careful out there, but uh, it's good to know that uh, that because it was a little bit nerve-wracking for a few, little bit there that we didn't know whether or not this was you were going to have to make a choice here. Um, and people like me, and maybe even you guys, it's not that huge a choice. But for people who earn their living with their pilot's license, well, and that forty-eight hour is, is based on uh, the. Uh, Test inoculations that they did on a, a lot of people and mm-hmm. showed that that if there was going to be a side effect, that that forty eight hour period is generally where it showed up. Right, and then it went away, and the people were back to normal. So, uh, I I had a friend complain to me that it, the FDA approval should take care of it. The FAA shouldn't have anything to do with it. I said, well, that that would be a, a change in the FAA's role because they've had something to do with this for as long as there's been an FAA. Right. In terms of medications that they don't say you can't take it. They just put restrictions on what you can do if you do take it. Right. And uh, this... You get the inoculation, you wait 48 hours, you fly. Uh, then, what, 58 days later, you can get the second inoculation? I think it's less than that. I think it's like 21 days, isn't it? It's 21, I think it's two, three weeks, but I, yeah. you know. Um, no, I think, oh, I, I thought it two. was two months. but No, I think it's 21, 23 <clears throat> weeks, 21 days, something like that. Yeah. So, anyways, good deal then. All right. So, uh, uh, yes, uh, you can, and, and uh, you know, I mean, my, my personal bias here is that I think the vaccination is a very good thing. And anyone who doesn't have some compelling reason not to should get vaccinated. I, I, I'm going to let them needle me at first opportunity yep okay uh as opposed to the rest of us needling you (laughs) hi jeb how you doing what's going on what are you up to again uh, since the new year we'll talk about the holidays a little bit later on Uh, um are you keeping busy you're working the holidays were were uh filled with um uh, loathing, let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> I won't say okay. fear and loathing because there wasn't any fear involved. But uh, I, uh, uh, you know, I spent a lot of the holidays working. I had a uh, December thirty deadline for aviation safety, so um, I made the deadline. Obviously, got the airplane back from uh, uh, overhauled engine and been flying Yay. it a little bit. Yeah, fine. Now, okay, so, so yeah. this is something that you have yet to talk about on the podcast, and yeah. I, I, and I leave it to you how much you want to talk about it. But uh, it, it it took way too freaking long. Let's just this is this was the result of the, your annual. Well, yeah, I mean, this this stemmed from the annual. I, I, when I put the an, airplane into the annual into the shop for its annual inspection back over the summer. Uh, dot dot dot. Um, I knew going in that um, I was probably going to have to do a top overhaul. Um, 
replace all all the cylinders in part because of uh, an airworthiness directive against those cylinders that stems back from uh, uh, the 2000s, uh, the aughts, if you will. Um, there were a comedy of errors involving uh, um, what to do about that. Um, I won't go into details. Let's suffice it to say that um, um, the engine was finally pulled from the airplane uh, to replace the cylinders. And um, at one point I was at, hey, do you want to replace the oil pan gasket while we got the engine out? I said, yeah, that's not a bad idea. So let's do that. So shop pulled the oil pan. And in the process of which, found um, a gear that is attached to the front of the crankshaft, sorry, front of the camshaft on this particular engine that turns the um, prop governor. And that gear was loose. It had play in it, which where it's not supposed to have play in it. Oh, boy. Which, to resolve, requires splitting the cases of the engine. By the time you do that, you may as well do an overhaul because of the labor involved and the parts that need to be replaced and yada, 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 yada. Um, so I had to, I don't, didn't say I have to, I had to, but I certainly decided to bite the bullet and send the engine out for overhaul. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that took four freaking ever. Yes. Um, uh, for, yeah, on one level, you know, you don't really, it's like you don't want to really rush your dentist. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, you, you don't okay, really, yeah. you don't really want to hound or, or rush or antagonize the guy rebuilding your engine. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All and, right. and that's kind of the mode I, I took on this. And, and, uh, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot I could do. It takes as long as it, you know, the crankcase has to go out to be redone. This part has to go out. All these third parties involved, third and fourth parties involved. Uh, so, you know, you just sit by and, and, uh, fold your hands over your belly and look up at the sky and watch the other, all the other airplanes go by and say, Hey, yeah, I used to be able to do that. Um, well, you have a second airplane, don't you? Yeah, it's it's uh, not airworthy right now. Ah, bummer. Yes, uh, so which is a whole other topic um, for adult beverages. Um, but all all of that having been said, um, the debonair is back in my hands. It's sitting in my hangar, um, and I'm hoping to get out with it this afternoon as soon as we get off this freaking podcast. Yeah, well, you uh, should. What are well, you doing here? Come on. I, Jeez, you bad know, just, choices. Just bad trying choices. to fulfill my responsibilities. Okay. Yeah. All right. Just to give us the overall context, and again, don't answer if you don't want to, but so you, when did you take first take your airplane over to begin this process? It was like, what month? July. July. And when did you manage to actually bring it back to your hangar? November. Well, God bless you. That's, um, I mean, I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't joke. That's an ordeal. That, it, I mean, that's it, not was, only a, it was not pleasant. It was... Um, not only a financial it, ordeal, but an emotional Yeah, f- financial, and, uh, emotional, um, scheduling. There's a lot of missed opportunities. Um, I, I obviously got, you know, rusty in the process, and uh, there were a lot of hiccups along the way. Yeah. There were a lot of... Um, mistakes made not all of them i i don't remember making too many mistakes but there were a lot of oversights mistakes etc that were uh, uh involved let's just put it that way yeah yeah well i'm glad it finally concluded it, it's over were, it's it's it back was, and yeah. that's what counts cool cool yeah. and and your airplane's ready to go good to go man this will be it right you'll probably this, never do this i'll again, probably right? never put another engine in this airplane so yeah you know someone yeah. else down the road hopefully will but i don't think it'll be me yeah Cool. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that I'm glad it is over. <laughs> I'm glad it's over. Yeah, I know, right? Um, so here's here's my contribution to uh, to the aviation sphere, sphere, sphere. Um, this is how to win. If you're done right, I think you can win a bar bet here. I think you could win a bar bet. Where to go here? Um, so uh, we talk a lot about the somewhat legendary, very cool Antonov big airplanes. All right, the Antonovs, and I've always thought of the Antonovs as being Russian airplanes. Um, and I was a little bit surprised recently to discover, and I did some research and confirmed this, that the Antonov is not a Russian airplane. Um, yes, no? Uh, it, according to the Wikipedia link that, you, that is on the list, no, it's not. It, 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 
you could call it a Soviet. It, it wasn't. Yeah, once upon a time it was a Soviet airplane. Yes, but but it is strictly speaking a Ukrainian airplane. Um, and and this and these days, I mean, you know, from us ugly Americans' point of view, Ukraine and Russian might seem very similar. All right, but they're not. Uh, and uh, um, and so uh, um, if presented properly, folks, I think you might be able to win a beer or two on this subject. The Antonov, the legendary monstrous huge cool airplanes, the Antonovs are not Russian airplanes. I, uh, I think that's kind of interesting. And, uh, um, I, and there was some other trivia point about this. I thought, I remember reading from, from the, uh, had some, maybe it had to do with still in, in, in production or I can't remember what it was anyways. Well, so. the, 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 um, the, what is it? The two twenty two AN two twenty two or, or something like that. Let me, let me look at this real quick. Um, yeah. um, there's only two of them. Okay. This is the the big six engine cargo carrier. Um, that two twenty four. Uh, two twenty four. Thank you. Um, uh, six turbojet engines, turbo turbofan engines. Uh, it is. Um, uh, yeah, two twenty five. Never mind. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is still the world's largest and heaviest airplane. It it uh, um, um, first flew or or. or uh, First took flight, uh, first was certified, whatever, in uh, ni- 1989, uh, and we see a lot of videos on on social media from time to time of uh, the airplane coming and going, and it's quite a sight to see. Again, there's only two of them out there, and they're both uh, operated by uh, um, shoot, I can't, I don't have the name in front of me, the uh, a uh, probably a Ukrainian cargo company cargo operator and for some cargos uh it is the only game in town if you yeah. want to, if you want to fly it unless you want to put it on a boat or something right so uh, it came into uh, the, the 225 came into oshkosh uh years ago dropped off uh some Arab, some russian made aerobatic airplanes and the people that were going to fly them and then left and uh I was flying in early as usual and uh, had a couple of friends with me that I'd brought along for for various reasons. And the uh, husband of this couple was an inactive pilot. And he looked down and he said, Dave, what the hell is that? <laughs> and we, we did our approach right over it. And it, 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 he said, I swear, nose to tail, it took us a, a minute and a half to fly over that airplane. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, I've but seen them after, on the ground too. Big, yeah, go ahead, David. After we got off and taxied back, the, the uh, tower had us on a routing that had us looking straight at it, head on on the nose. And uh, the, the guy's wife's like, is there some way for us to get around that? And I said, oh, yeah, they'll turn us. Or we'll just go underneath it. Let me real quickly put a correction in that uh, there's only one that's been put in the service uh, of the AN-225s. Ah, okay. Yeah, the other one's got started, but it's it's uh, assembly has been interrupted. Yeah, mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. What else we want to talk about here? This is a it's is it's an embarrassment of riches here. The uh, the legendary UCAP list has grown to a humongous size over the uh, two months since we've been recording. Um, it's actually too much to almost to uh, digest. David, I heard you inhale like you were about to say something. Uh, no, I just, no? I was just inhaling coffee through a soda straw up my uh, nose. I see. Okay. Uh, what else is on the list here? Did, well, just from to... a trivia standpoint. Okay. Cause uh, this is the trivia segment. This yes, is the ahead. trivia segment. Okay. Um, just from a trivia standpoint, um, yeah, I find it. I found it very interesting recently to come across a, an article talking about, um, the Airbus A320. Of which, of course, there are scads uh, around the world. Um, the Airbus, the basic Airbus A320, <clears throat> uh, the main landing gear on it is uh, uh, each gear is is uh, has two wheels, uh, like the 737 has two wheels on its on its main landing gear. Um, but 
uh, in a kind of a, a Burger King, uh, hold the pickle, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us mm-hmm. kind of thing. <laughs> um, Airbus has also made um, a, a, a few um, uh, Airbus A320s with four-wheel uh, landing gear. Oh, they got a double truck. Yeah. Um, they did this... Um, for uh, uh, Air India or Indian Airlines, um, um, to, I don't. I don't, probably because of the the runway uh, weight, um, uh, the runway weight ratings at various runways the operator wanted to use these airplanes at. Um, I don't know. Let's see. This says I think how many were made. Total of thirty one. Uh, Airbus A320s were delivered to Indian Airlines with special landing gear that featured four-wheel bogies on each side, uh, and that's to better distribute the, the aircraft's weight on the runway surface. Um, <clears throat> you, you, you know, it, it, private pilots sh- at least should know this, but just as a refresher, if you look in the uh, the chart supplement at uh, um, various airports, and you'll see a bunch of numbers associated with the runway, like S10 or whatever, S20, um, you'll see that's, you break down that code in the legend, and that is the amount of weight that uh, a runway can sustain based on the number of wheels uh, on the main gear. And in this instance, they had to uh, build some some four-wheel main landing gear. Obviously, some sheet metal was involved. Obviously, redesigning the whole landing gear was involved, yada, yada, yada. I just find that incredibly interesting. So I'll shut up now. No, I think it is interesting. Yeah, cool. Okay. Uh, Someone asked me what I'm doing. So, Jack, I mean, we've been sitting here talking about Dave and me, and we're talking about engines and Airbuses and and all this kind of thing. But no one's and real. No bogeys. one in bogies. Yeah, no one's asked you how you've been. What have you've been up to? Do you have an answer to these questions? No, I don't actually. Are you still uh, up to five seven? I, I've. Uh, I, as a matter of fact, I think I am. But yes, that's. <laughs> I'm usually I, up at five thirty, but you know. That, yeah, right. No, no. I like so many people of an advanced age. I'm I'm shorter than I used to be. Uh, I, I, when I, I in my younger days, I I, I tried to claim that I was five eleven, um, and I might have been close to five eleven at my you know kind of most extended height. Um, but uh, like so many people who have uh, you know. So many experienced folks. You've just been washed in hot water too often. Uh, something like that, you know, because I'm clearly not anywhere near 5'11 anymore. Um, and I'm maybe 5'7. I, I, I no longer, for whatever reason, no longer um, um, check my height all that often. Um, I spend my, check my weight all the time. I don't know if that's an <laughs> um, But I don't check my height. So, uh, uh, But I don't know what I'm up to. I'm certainly keeping busy. Uh, uh, you know, it's like this is just these pandemic times are odd. This is just. Uh, because, uh, you know, on one hand, I'm, I mean, I've been on what I, what I describe as being on the beach. I've been out of work now for, you know, since March. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and that's bad from a financial standpoint. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, I've never been without something to do. I mean, I've just got all kinds of things to do. Between, you know, back when we were doing the podcast, <laughs> that kept me busy, um, and uh, just other projects. There's all kinds of fun projects for me to do. Um, even though I've never been, I, I, I've, I've, I've started keeping track of the, gr- the greatest distance away from home that I've been, all right? And I've concluded that, I've, uh, uh, so there's a place 45-minute drive from here that I had to go to do an errand. Um, and and it's uh, I live in Dover. If you want to look at a map, I live in Dover, New Hampshire, and down in the southern edge of New Hampshire, there's a town called Salem, New Hampshire. And I had occasion to go to Salem, New Hampshire, and that is the most distant point I've traveled to in since March, since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and uh, so uh, and that's really I did that once. All right. Usually I live my life now within I like about a five mile circle, and uh, um, know but, the feeling, but. 
that's physical, all right? You know, then I've got my computer, and, uh, you know, and I'm just, like, all over the world. And so keeping busy in that regard. Bought a new computer. That's maybe notable. Um, and uh, uh, if, you're an, if you're an Apple person, um, I, you'll understand when I say I bought one of these new M1 computers. This is the new CPU that Apple has uh, developed and is now starting to convert their computers over to. It's pretty cool, I'll tell you, man. It's fast. Um, it's fast. And so uh, I'm, I'm kind of getting to know my new computer. Um, it's it's weird. I've become a so for years because of my travel work. I've always been a laptop person because I need to travel. I need to take my computer with me. Um, and uh, uh, and I, when I on the few times when I was home, I would plug my computer into an external monitor. But for the most part, I was a laptop person. But of course, since the uh, since the pandemic. I know don't my my laptop has been docked to my screen and then I added this. I've become a two screen person, I guess is what I'm getting to here. I really, really love my two screens. I have two twenty four inch um screens in front of me here and uh I'm I'm really liking that lifestyle. And so uh for the first time in many, many years, this new computer I bought a computer that's not a laptop. It's a uh, it's what's known as a Mac Mini, um for those of you who know the product. So this is called a, an M one yeah, M1 is the new uh, new CPU that Apple has developed. And, when when uh, they get to M5, don't let them Im- Im- impress your own brain Ingrams on it or put it in charge of a starship. <laughs> I wonder if they've thought about that. I don't know. I don't know uh, either. But just just word you know word to the wise, a little bit of caution. We're trying to decide whether those of us in the community are trying to decide how how much they. Th- so Apple gives a code name. I mean, a lot of a lot of operating systems do um, gives a code name to um, each major iteration of the operating system. Um, there's and lately they're in this thing of of, uh, of national parks or national you know uh, physical locations like they had they had Catalina and they had uh, uh, Mojave and they and and uh, the latest one is Big Sur, which is a really cool place on earth all right but it leads to a kind of an interesting uh, acronym that we're not sure that's really thought through um, so anyways I'm keeping busy I got a lot going on we'll talk about New Year's and Christmas a little bit later on um, but uh I do want to talk real quickly here, though, um, because although we've been away, uh, we still have a great many supporters um, through uh, Patreon and YouTube, and we are so, so grateful to all of them. Um, if you like what we're doing here with the podcast, please consider supporting us with a financial donation. We've been a little quiet for a couple months, but I hope we're back now. Um, and uh, for as little as a few dollars a month, you can really help us uh, in, uh, in getting back on the roll and enabling us to do this podcast on a regular basis. You can send individual donations to the UCAP tip jar via PayPal. Um, and uh, as, as it's interesting, as is often the case, we received a bunch of tip jar, don- tip jar donations at the end of the year. Um, and so um, I'd, I'd like to take a, a moment to thank uh, listeners Mark L. and Ed K. and John D. and Michael S. who recently made tip jar donations to the podcast. Thank you so much. You can also become an automatic monthly supporter of uh, the podcast via Patreon. Uh, and if you'd like to become one of our Patreon members, uh, you can uh, do so at patreon.com slash uncontrolled airspace. Uh, thanks to some of our recent uh, Patreon supporters, Mark C., Blake C., Evan S., Stephen D., James G., Larry O., Tim E., and Patricia S., and so many others. Uh, to everyone who supports us on Patreon and on YouTube, uh, you folks are the best. Thank you very, very much. Uh, for information about providing automatic monthly do- do- uh, monthly support, uh, you can check out patreon.com uncontrolled air- slash uncontrolled airspace or make a PayPal donation to the email address podcast at uncontrolledairspace.com or you can get all this information by clicking on the box in the right-hand column of the UCAP homepage at uncontrolled airspace.com. Thank you very much. Okay, what else? There must be something else happening in aviation here. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, well, last time, when did we do this last? Like, well, I'm not, it's embarrassing. It's a shame we don't have some way to figure no, that I, out. No, I do. And I look, November 11th was the last time we Are you successfully, kidding me? Yeah, making finger quotes. The last time we successfully recorded was November 11th. Well, since then, the FAA has done some stuff to uh, uh, open up the uh, sky to uh, supersonic flight tests and with some rules for getting waivers to do that uh, they they the FAA in the state of Kansas created a flight test route that uh, runs uh, well they call it a supersonic test corridor and uh, where does it run from 
Uh, it runs from here to there and back again. Uh, <laughs> altitudes above flight wasn't level that, 390, the 770 nautical mile corridor as a bi-directional racetrack runs slightly west and south of Garden City, Kansas to nearly Pittsburgh in the east at altitudes of up 390. Runs right over Wichita. Uh, and new uh, rules for getting waivers so that to conduct supersonic flight tests that came along just in the last week or so uh clearly one of these things is going to work out i think uh i put my money on arion and ras2 before anybody else but uh it's going to happen folks and if these guys are good with as good with their PR as they are in engineering as they are with PR, uh, most of us will never hear anything more than soft thunder as the replacement for the sonic boom. So onward and upward, guys. Go like a bat out of hell. All right. uh, Last chance. Anything else on the list you want to talk about? Uh, I think that's got me. I think we can pull a fork out. I, it's it's this is some sort of joke about how long it's been since we recorded an episode, um, but uh, I'm glad we did it and I'm glad we got back together again and uh, and hopefully it won't be it was November 19 by the way it was when we recorded the last successfully recorded the last episode um, and uh, and and hopefully it won't be that long so that's 19 that's like six weeks oh my gosh that's embarrassing um, thank you it's a lot it's fun I enjoy getting together with you and uh, I hope we keep doing it for you know for a long time to come. Um, Jeb Burnside, thank you. Jeb is a a freelance aviation writer and editor serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine and as a regular contributor to other aviation publications. Online, you can find Jeb's work at aviationsafetymagazine.com. His magazine is on Twitter at uh, avsafetymag on Twitter. You can also find Jeb's work at aea.net, avweb.com, and on Twitter, he is BurnsideJ. And Dave Higdon. Dave's an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's Av Buyer magazine. You can find his work online at avbuyer.com, aea.net, and on Twitter, he is Real Higdon. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. You can find me online in most places by the all-one-word username Jack Hodgson. For example, Twitter slash Jack Hodgson, YouTube slash Jack Hodgson, Patreon Jack Hodgson. Uh, You can find my e-books on Amazon by searching for Around the Field in the Books section. And you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. Hey, David, was there something you needed to remind us that you haven't told us in a while? Well, just a few days ago, I tripped over into my eighth decade, you see. No. Which is, which is proof positive that time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. So long. Happy birthday, David. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. And don't be afraid of flying. Be afraid of not flying. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Dad, here comes Lassie. I wonder where she's been. Hey, girl, what's wrong? Timmy, what's Lassie saying? Dad, she's saying that members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals and that their comments do not necessarily represent the views of the various organizations they work with. That a girl, Lassie. Timmy, let's get some rope. They need our help. No, Dad, she says that... Anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. So you should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane, Dad. a girl, Lassie. All right. Uh, that was the disclaimer, and now we're going to talk about stuff here. So I don't know if I want to bring this up. I'm going to try this, and maybe this won't work, and I'll cut it out. We'll see. Time will tell, all right? Uh, far, uh, there's no way that little old me is ever going to diminish the legend that is Chuck Yeager, all right? The genuine legend, the genuine accomplishments of this man, all right? But here's my question. Was he really the first man to break person to break the sound barrier? Okay? No. You know what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. 
Okay. Uh, now, being the second guy to break the sound barrier is nothing to sneeze at, right? But who was first? I think a German ME well, C sixty two pilot. I I subscribe to the school that says that Scott Crossfield was first. How there, so? was, there was a t- there was a test that didn't get documented very well or, or something like that and uh, and uh, uh, you know and and Chuck God bless him may he rest in peace was very very good at promotion um, and uh, uh, that's what I've always heard um, is that Crossfield played a much bigger role in this whole thing than he gets historic credit for. Well, he was the first guy to break Mach two. Uh, and I, I I forget how high up he how fast he went, but I believe he eventually flew the uh, X fifteen to Mach five plus. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he wasn't the first to do that. Okay, but, uh, uh, you know it's and it's very likely I'm mistaken. All right, but that's what I've always heard. And uh, um, I don't well, know you, that it was Crossfield who who is alleged to have maybe done that before uh, Jaeger. Um, But I understand that there is that, uh, I'll put the word question in quotes, um, but there's no proof. Uh, It wasn't wasn't well enough documented at the time. And Scotty would never jump in and right. say oh no 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 i was first right uh, I, and that's what was my understanding as yeah. well that that was the nature of his personality yeah. yes and uh, and, and oh, which, again absolutely. the way i heard the story was that's what led to the the whole mismatch or miss i don't know confusion what you want to call it but uh um anyways i i just always have heard that and wondered uh, about it and uh, i don't know a, a nice a, a nicer more humble human being you'd never meet i never met the man but i've always heard that and uh, he was still living in the early days of my visits to uh air vent to oshkosh um um and well hell he was in uh he was in the super superb eight room next to me for about three straight years was he so and our airplanes were parked side by side at weeks several well, times i used to live on that corridor too you mean i might have crossed paths with scott crossfield like getting oh, you, coffee in the morning you, you probably did oh man that would have been so cool because yeah. even back then i knew who he was and and whether or not he was the first guy or not he was definitely an aviation legend and uh i would have i would have treasured that moment i'm sorry that if it happened i didn't i wasn't aware of it but all right okay we we, we met when he was uh on uh, the staff of one of the congressional committees right. that had uh, had sway over FAA and NASA, and he was kind of their uh, research expert and could translate aviation into conversation, which is no small feat. Because uh, once you turn it into conversation, nobody understands it. Right, right. So, okay. Yeah, Scott was professional staff on the House Science and Technology Committee back in, That's the, it. Yeah. in, in the 80s. Uh, I got to know him then when I was working at NBAA, mm-hmm. literally part of my job, uh, to get to know people like him. And uh, um, talked to him on, on several occasions. Um, when I was at NBAA, we actually gave Scott an award, <clears throat> an achievement award, lifetime achievement award of some kind. Um so, you know, there was all that. Um, I, I interviewed him years later uh, for Aviation Safety Magazine. This is like 04, 05, uh, just very soon before he he, uh, he passed. Um, and um, uh, it was an interesting conversation, uh, interesting episode, uh, something I'll always cherish. Yeah. Uh, but uh, actually got pictures of him sitting um beside uh the airplane in which he died um, oh yeah the early year two, uh, cessna 210 uh-huh yeah 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 this is this is he was based in manassas he flew in and out of manassas in his 210 oh, really? yeah yeah now and, I just, and that was the first and only airplane he ever owned uh-huh that's exactly he bought it new i think yeah in the 50s. not the first not the obviously not the only one he ever flew but you're the only yeah. one he ever owned yeah. that, that is an interesting tidbit okay yeah. um the, before moving on let me just I, so i just tumbled to what you said david um they put scott crossfield in the super eight and not in the hilton yeah well that's just okay. wrong yeah um 
and by the way, I have fond memories of the Super 8. I enjoyed the Super 8 just fine, all right? But, me, me too. But Scott Crossfield should not have been in the Super 8. Um, anyways, okay, that's my Scott Crossfield uh, well, memorial. See, the funny thing is that Scotty was fine with it. Uh, I, I don't doubt I, it. I asked him once, you know, as uh, big a wig and as important as he was in aviation history, why he wasn't over there in the luxury suites. And he winked and kind of shrugged and says, there's better company over here. Yeah, too, too many okay. assholes. Yeah, that Scott was true. an amazingly accessible individual. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Um, you, you, how should I say this? Especially perhaps when compared to other of his peers. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, he, he didn't... Um, he didn't really subscribe to what could have been his own hype. He didn't have any hype. He was just a regular guy. One of the, well, the topic I interviewed him about for Aviation Safety Magazine back in the day was, you know, how did you survive? How did you, how did you um, manage safety uh, when you're flying all of these these aircraft that were basically, um, um, well, obviously highly incredibly experimental, um, tangentially, I mean, uh, marginally unsafe to begin with, how did you manage to come out of this alive? And he was very... Um, you know, you, 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 I went into that conversation, you know, hoping for some <clears throat> some revelation, some sage words, and uh, never really got to that. Um, in hindsight, um, uh, it was um, um, stupid of me to think that he would have those sage words, not because he was incapable of sage words, but because he never really thought about those accomplishments as being um, uh, something that anybody else could not do. Mm-hmm. He, you, know, in a, you know, in a sense, it was, you know, he was the guy... Um, right place, right time. Uh, it wasn't superhuman. It wasn't. Um, um, it was all in a day's work. It, it, thank you. Yeah, it was all in a day's work kind of attitude about it. Now, you know, we all know that that's not the case, but that's the way he approached it. And, uh, you know, I got got to respect that. Yeah. Well, my uh, mentor when I hired into uh, Air Transport World magazine was a longtime DC uh, writer named uh, Lou Davis. And uh, Lou had started a publication about the regional airlines, and he had a special place in his heart for for the small mom and pop carriers that used to exist and feed all the big guys without code sharing. Uh, and. Uh, about once a week, Lou would invite me to lunch where I would get to meet somebody notable. And uh, he uh, called my desk uh, at the magazine and said, uh, Hey, uh, you, you been to lunch yet? No, I was just trying to decide what to do. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to come down to the restaurant here on the ground floor of the building. I got somebody I want you to meet. So I went down, I queued up, I got my lunch, I sat down, and the next thing I know, there's Lou with this uh, fairly uh, substantial-looking gentleman. Uh, He says, I want you to meet Scott Crossfield. He said, I know you met Jaeger in here a few weeks ago. Well, this guy's the real deal. And that was my introduction to Scott Crossfield. And we we just had a grand time down there. I think instead of a thirty minute lunch, we wound up taking two hours. Uh, so much so that my editor upstairs was uh, on the war path that I wasn't where I was supposed to be when he decided to look for me. But uh, and Scott and I both were attending a uh, lunch of the National Avi- Association of State Aviation Officials at Oshkosh one year when Henry O. Grzynski was still alive and ran the place. 
and uh, I was still shooting for the daily in those days. And I showed up. I'm getting pictures for Henry. I'm getting pictures for the paper. Uh, and the uh, red barn where we gassed up the gators was right behind the building where we were meeting for lunch. I, so I stopped in there, gassed up my gator, parked out front, went in, had lunch, sat across the table from Scott and Henry. A little bit of conversation after the lunch was over. We do the grip and grin photo that uh, they wanted and. I walk outside and the freaking gator's gone. Uh-oh. Now there's another one in its place. Oh, Scott and was thought, Scott was notorious for he did that to Avweb at one point. Yeah. Um I think it was Scott. Um, um so, Wait, you, what, he stole your gator? Yeah. He, he 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 just got in a gator and would haul ass. Well, he told me later on that uh, he uh, he knew I'd make it to the gas pump because the gator that he showed up in ran out as he was pulling up the driveway. And I had a full tank. I'll get it back to you later. <laughs> I, I don't remember all the, the gators. Yeah, yeah, I don't remember all the details, but this was, I guess, the 99 show. Uh, maybe it was the 2000 show where um, I, working in the war room one evening and get a call from somebody. I think it was um, I think it was associated with it was either it was either uh, John and Martha King or it was Scott Crossfield. Um, somebody said, hey, one of your guys took my gator or took my cart or whatever the hell it was. And I find, I tracked down who on our staff had had the, had the wrong cart or gator and said, you know, <laughs> dude, this is y'all. What you're going to do is X, Y, and Z, and you're going to do it right now. Um, and... Um, I I don't remember the staffer's name. I don't remember any of the details here, but it was, you know, something like that. And he's like, oh, my God, you know, kind of thing. Oh, you know, please, please don't cut my head off, you know, thing like that. But, uh, um, you know, strange stuff happens at Oshkosh. Yeah. For people who don't know, the the, the gators and the golf carts, at least at Oshkosh, were notorious for all operating off the same ignition key. (laughs) Hell, uh, hell, I had a gator one year that I could start. With a, a a paper clip that was yeah. still folded to clip paper. Yeah. yeah, and this is why this is why eventually it became a rule and part of the the, for the rules of operation is that every gator and golf cart also had one of these big honking bike lock things so that you would chain it up with a good key lock, keyed lock that so that people couldn't couldn't intentionally or unintentionally take the wrong. Yeah, we we tied down the steering wheel to the seat frame. Yeah, during the day and then when we parked it outside the super. Eight, we'd chain the thing to the door yeah. or to the gate. Yeah. yeah. Okay.